There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the very first episode of Breaking Down Buffy Comics. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. Thanks. Good. You're in. And we're here to go through all of the Buffy comics that are canon chronologically. Some keywords there. I've heard those keywords many times. Oh, they're important. Uh, we're not going to be covering things that are non-canon in this series. The series started back in 98. The original run went until 2004, and basically all that got scrapped. Almost none of it counts as canon. And also, what then counted as canon was scrapped essentially two more times, but still keeping some pieces and also putting stories at a different point in time. So there's a bit to work through, considering it's almost 20 years worth of material. Canon's one of those things you can kind of you know, for any reader, you can kind of take it as you will. Some things for you will be canon, others won't. I mean, when you're dealing with the long history. But this is just going to be the stuff that's irrefutably canon, mostly. Some of the stuff is a little bit questionable, but again, take it as you will. And by chronologically, you don't mean chronologically in the order they came out, but chronologically in the order in which they appear. Yeah, not release order. If this was, if this was release order, then the show would have no point. Because it's been confusing. They don't come out, or it's getting better now, but for a long time, it was no good. Uh, generally, what we're going to try and do is be covering one graphic novel per episode. That's going to not be a steadfast rule, but... Ironically, this one, we're starting with two. Well, that's because these are terrible, and I want to get them out of the way. Yeah, they weren't great, <laughs> but whatever. Moving on. Funny enough, the very first thing that counts chronologically is something that just came out within the past year, in 2016. So we have okay. two graphic novels here that are Buffy the High School Years. Boo. Yeah. Never go back. Boo. But anyway, Buffy the High School Years. Um, I'm being mean already. It's not. I'm, there's some good, some shining moments in there. First up, we have Freaks and Geeks, followed by glutton for punishment and already there's going to be at least a third one of these coming out in july when that comes around we'll get to it so that will screw up this whole episode order but i'm not waiting to july to start the show starting off buffy the high school years volume one freaks and geeks this is taking place in the first season of buffy so this is someplace in between 1996 and 1997 and Freaks and Geeks didn't come out until 1999, so, you know, right off the bat, literally from the title, we're off on the wrong foot. Um, I have a soft spot for the cover because she's sitting in a papazon chair that's red, and I have a red papazon chair that I love very much, so I felt better about this one starting out. This one's, in general, a better one, not just because she's sitting in a papazon chair with a rotary phone? Yeah, whatever. It's also red. Good for her. I like that she has an ottoman for her papazon chair as well. That's something I never had. Sorry, you were really... Deprived. As a child and an adult. With a lot of these stories, the ones that at least take place during the course of the show Buffy and Angel, we'll be able to specifically say because of XYZ, the story has to fall in this time frame. But these ones, it's a little unclear. I mean, the fact that they're high school years gives us... Well, it says season one. There's a couple of clues that it gives. Number one, in this series, we know Principal Flutie is alive and hasn't been eaten by hyena children yet. So we know these have to take place at least before episode six. And Giles also mentions that the Buffy has gotten better at slaying within the last couple of months. So realistically, you can put it past the first couple. So probably sometime between episodes four and five. And especially in Freaks and Geeks, they make a big deal of the fact that she's like lamenting her previous life. 
as she was not the Slayer, so probably not that far into her slaying career. No, and Buffy season one especially, that was only a 12-episode season, the shortest one. But it also has to take place between literally like fall of 96 and summer 97. So, and it was fairly episodic, so there's a lot of room in there to kind of fill in some gaps. But do those gaps need to be filled in? We'll find out. The answer is no. But we're going to try anyway. <laughs> well, no, we're not trying. They tried and failed. I'm, t- I'm sorry. I'm going to stop being mean to this. I'll try. This one especially. The first one's a bit redeeming. So it starts off, and page one is off to a good start. It starts off with the old intro that we got in season one that started before every episode. Into every generation a slayer is born. One girl in all the world, a chosen one. She alone will wield the strength and skill to fight the vampires, the demons, and the forces of darkness. To stop the spread of their evil and the swell of their number, she is the Slayer. Right off. That's cool. It's nice seeing that back. I mean, when it starts every episode, it's kind of cheesy. It's kind of, And by the end of the season, you're like, oh my god, stop it. But I like it. It brought me back. Because... It sets you in where it is. So we start off, Buffy's in a graveyard, and immediately that... Goodwill is just destroyed because she kills at least five vampires, which at this point in her career, she shouldn't be able to do, or at least not do it with ease. Right. And also we mentioned this is graveyard number 23. Oh, our first continuity error. So when I read this, I was like, are there seriously 23 graveyards in Sunnydale? A. B. How many people live in Sunnydale? Well, they do say the population. It's on the sign going into town. How much? 38,000? So for okay, 38,000 people... I don't have it written down. You're making me go off of memory. 23 graveyards? No. Okay. Incorrect. In the series, Giles states that there are 12 cemeteries in Sunnydale. So I guess between when this story happens and when he mentions it, half of them go out of business? Can you do that? I don't think so. Maybe they did like they did in France and they just dug up all of them. Buffy's bad at math. And then put them down underneath. It's either a continuity error or Buffy's just like night 23 in a graveyard, but no, it doesn't work. So right off the bat, literally page two. So the title is weird and page two continuity error. Okay. But then moving on. Dark Horse, hire me. As some kind of script doctor or editor or whatever, I will catch this. Hire me. My God, you... What's that person you're, called you're, in the movie? The in you're movies, no good at this. When there's like a continuity person to be like. That's like it's like they. In I the last title, shot, you had different hair. Who's that person? I think they're just like continuity director or something. Okay, well that's what you need to be. Yeah. Anyway, so moving on. <laughs> I'll insult a company and then say, "Give me money." Buffy is complaining about the lack of sleep that she gets. A, I understand, and basically just. Her grades are slipping, which is a thing that we saw a lot in season one, like. Um, burning the candle at both ends. She's kind of stretched thin. Yeah, so her grades are slipping. She's just really tired all the time and just kind of lamenting the fact that she's no longer your average high school student. So before I just beat this series into the ground, I do want to give it some credit. The writer on this first graphic novel is Faith Aaron Hicks, and she's clearly a fan of the show. She has the voices down pat. It's perfect as far as character interactions how they talk to each other it's all exactly how the voices should be and to give the art some credit it's going to be an artist named and i'll probably massacre the pronunciation yishan lee Uh, she gets the aesthetic of like mid to late 90s clothes down very well it looks exactly like they came out of the show a lot of the settings are identical like buffy's house looks exactly the same as it did before buffy's bedroom stuff like that 
but it's also very Asian inspired art style. I mean, it comes off as a little jarring. The rest of these comics aren't going to have that. It started off with just Sarah Michelle Geller, but a lot of the actors now have to have approval for an artist to draw their likeness. And it almost seems a little strange that there was a sign off here because it's such a drastic departure from everything else we're going to see. And the most jarring part to me was that the cover art on both of these um, on both these graphic novels are much closer to the style that me- most of the graphic novels will be in. They look it, it resembles the actors. Yeah. Compared to I an approximation. It's just, it's just a very like different exa- style than yeah. what's actually in the graphic novel itself. and It's an exaggerated approximation of what these people would look like. Neither of them are bad. It's just confusing that they're both styles of art are in one graphic novel. What we're doing here, these two, it's not going to be the only time this comes up, but it's rare. This is what's referred to as an original graphic novel. There's no comic that leads up to this that collects it. It just came out in graphic novel form. And in these weird undersized trade paperbacks, I don't understand a lot of what's happening here, why it's so different from the rest. I don't know. But anyway, so we keep going and we see that Cordelia and her minions are... Yeah, Harmony. Harmony. True. Harmony. And the other one. And the other one. Peggy. Um, (laughs) The Peggy of the group. So... Cordelia, Harmony, (laughs) and Peggy. And so they are gently bullying willow and xander and buffy um and buffy is again sad about the fact that she used to be popular like cordelia at her old school but now she's not popular and kind of who is she but this irks me right here this is about the point where i was like all right what is this this story's been told buffy complained like i used to be popular i used to be a different person and now i'm this other thing and i don't know which one's better but ultimately i'm gonna go be friends with you guys That story's been told. So ultimately, this one's okay. It's not what I would consider mandatory canon. If you want to skip these, go right ahead. But if you're going to go back, if you feel the need to go back and fill in some kind of gap in a story, at least have a purpose to it. Fill in some element that was missing, something that always felt off. This isn't something that was missing. This was something that was always there, and we've covered, and we've covered it better. So ultimately, this graphic novel has no point. No, but it's not a bad one. And if you listen to my other show, which you should. You want to plug editor, it right now? Yeah, I always want to plug okay. I'll always plug myself. The Editor's Note Comics podcast. Uh, the example I've given before about trying to fill in gaps, go with the current run of Star Wars comics. You have Boba Fett, he gets into a fight with Luke. And then he goes and tells Vader, he's like, hey, I just fought the Skywalker kid. And Vader goes, get out. And then, no words, you just see it on the art. You see him clench his fist. And he's on the on a Star Destroyer, and you just see all of the windows around him crack just with rage in the Force. And that's something we didn't have. That was something that was missing. It always felt a little weird that the Emperor was just like the son of Skywalker. And he's not like, wait, what? The son of who now? That's me. Like, I knew you gave me a fancy new name, but I have a what? Mm-hmm. And that was an element that was missing. They went back and they filled it in, and that makes sense. Going back here, there's nothing. Right. Like, this is... This is pretty typical high school material, and anyway, so we keep going, and we find out that Buffy's kind of identity crisis is mirrored by a recent group of vampires, or a group of friends who have recently been turned into vampires. Because they go to the neighborhood vampire club, because that's been an established thing. Right. And they get turned away from the club. You remember all those episodes with the vampire club? 
Sure. I'm sure I do. With the velvet rope? No, that was never there. What What is this? I don't know. But anyway, so they find a vampire club that everybody knows exists, clearly. And this group of friends is turned away from the vampire club. And the leader of the whole band, her name is Hester, which, you know, just brings me back to Nathaniel Hawthorne. So Hester... What an awkward name. In, in a series called Buffy, I'm like, Hester, what a weird Hester name. Friend, and Hester's friend's name is Liesl. Although Liesl, Sound of Music. Anyway, so Hester and her friends are turned away from the club. And she's like, are you really not going to let me in? Am I really not cool enough? And they're like, yeah, you're definitely not cool enough. <laughs> and the only thing you can do to get into this club, the big scary bouncer dude says, is you could kill the Slayer. And Hester's like, sounds great. Side note, the vampires in this, they are consistent in the same way, but they... They look like weird little pig people. They do have an odd upturned the nose. little snouts. And it, yeah. It took me a second to realize that they were the vampires. They do look terrifying. Like, it's not a friendly face. So, they get turned away. Hester now makes it her mission to kill the Slayer. But we find out later she didn't even know which one the Slayer was, so... Yeah, she's not good at this. I don't even know how she knew where to find the Slayer. What, you mean with those 23 graveyards she didn't know where to go? Right. All 23 of those 12 graveyards? But somehow she knew how to find the Slayer, and we'll get to that later. No, first we have to waste some time about Willow pining after Xander, because, you know, that's going to go somewhere. And we also waste some time about Buffy pining after Angel. Um, Who we also, at this point, this one definitely takes place before episode 7, when we find out he's a vampire, or... But definitely the next one will place this before episode six. Like, the name Angel is so hot. No, yeah. it's not. It's a dumb name. It is kind of a dumb name. It's a girly, girly name. It is. It is. But anyway, they, you know, talk about she missed her old life, and it's really complicated, and life is really hard, and they should be talking about the French Revolution, but they're not. And so we talk about how nice of a friend Willow is, and how they're different from her friends at the other school, and it's just... Very emphasized. We then find Yeah, Hester. this is the book that really relies on subtlety. Yeah. There's not a lot of, like, show-don't-tell in here. But that's okay. Then we go back to Hester and her friends who are hanging out in a graveyard. In a different Sunnydale graveyard. So, we'll call it number 16. And she is trying to convince her friends that they need a plan to attack the slayer. <laughs> okay, so Hester has a whiteboard. I don't know where she got her whiteboard from. In their weird graveyard Spike has electricity home. inside of his crypt, so I think a whiteboard isn't out of the option. In their crypt, they also have, like, some sort of gaming system and a TV and a bunch of board games. Yeah, they got it too. And her friends are really content to just kind of hang out as vampires. And play board games. And play board games. They were, they're like, we always play board games on Thursday nights, which I find charming. I would like that set up in my life. And then Hester... Yeah, gets real upset and kicks the board, which is just mean. And her friends just look so sad. They look like sad little puppies. And and Hester's reasoning is we're vampires, creatures of the night, and that's why they can't play games for hours. I don't think that's very good reasoning either. Her friends don't seem super thrilled. So they go and try and find Buffy. And somehow they happen upon her pretty quickly. Not sure. <laughs> There's not a lot of effort. How or why? But they find her pretty quickly, and they eavesdrop on this conversation that Willow and Xander are having, and they're just kind of talking about how. Do you think that Buffy Buffy is just so cool? Do you think that that's that she's cool because she's always been cool? Like, why is she cool? It's also a weird thing to say about your friend. You're like, 
We have a cool friend now. Does are we cool by and, proxy? And are the we... answer was no. They came <laughs> up with no on yeah, that. Shut one. up. Shut up, Xander. And so they're just kind of talking. That's my mantra on this show, by the way. Shut up, Xander. And then they decide that they're just basically your cheering section. They're just chilling on a bench in the graveyard while Buffy's just killing things. Murdering. Everything is going great. Like the way they stab is so cool. And Hester overhears their conversations and they don't know if Buffy would really be their friend. And so Hester's new plan now, instead of just trying to attack Buffy, is to try to erode her self-confidence and to tell her that her friends don't actually like her and her friends think that she was just a mean girl. Yeah, Buffy goes to kill her and she's like, you're a bully. And Buffy's like, what? Shut up. From the vampire. The vampire says she's a bully and for the first time, Buffy decides to actually listen to something the vampire is saying and it's It's not great. Just a waste. Oh, this is the moment that she figures out which one of them is the slayer because... I don't know. Somehow she didn't even know who Buffy was, but she well, this is had still like season a one. super sense of where the Slayer was going to be. So anyway, she figures out... Why am I giving... I don't know. I don't need to give excuses for this crap. So basically, Hester blames Buffy for how Hester felt bullied and looked down upon in high school. Which, shouldn't Buffy know who Hester is if she's a recently turned vampire? And they well, all... No, Buffy, I mean, she just transferred to this new school after burning down a gym. True, yeah. So I don't think Buffy's had time to learn who everyone is. Mm-hmm. But I do like all the reasoning Buffy gives. She's like, you're blonde, and Buffy's like, genetics, not a thing. Like, you're in shape. She's like, I go out every night and hunt things. I should be. I'm like, you're fashionable. She's like, I'm 1997 fashionable. Don't get used to it. Um, My favorite <laughs> thing that is said in this whole comic is Hester is telling her life story about how in third grade, her best friend ditched her for a group of blonde girls and how she felt super betrayed. And she said, and the other girls had better snacks. I'm going to be honest. I would go with the better <laughs> snacks. Yeah. Like, that's just that's just a good... Elementary school friendships <laughs> means nothing compared to snacks. I know. My friendships now mean nothing compared to snacks. I know. I know. Like, if we were invited to two different parties, would be like, which one has the better arrangement? <laughs> yes. I'll I go to like, that one. I feel like we've done that. <laughs> And then Hester says, I never forgot her betrayal. I'm like, she betrayed you for snacks, so you really could have gotten better snacks. Shut I feel up. like that one's on Hester <laughs> yeah. at this point. Um, but here's the part that confused me the most. I feel like Hester went home, she's like, Mom, I really need you to buy me Dunkaroos. And the mother was like, no, you get carrot sticks. She's like, no! I really missed Dunkaroos. The ruse! You can buy them on Amazon still. Can you really? Yeah, no. That's a real thing. Hmm. <laughs> Prime. Um. Anyway, so... Buffy's confidence is shattered when Hester's like, your friends just think that you're a dumb blonde girl and you wouldn't really like them. And Buffy says, Willow said that? So then... And then they, she gets punched in the face for being stupid. She gets punched in the face. But mind you, Hester's whole plan is so is to kill the Slayer. So at this point, the Slayer is on the ground and there's four vampires around her and they decide that the best course of action is to then run away. That has confused me about this graphic novel because... For years. What's the point? <laughs> Why are we running away when she is incapacitated? Look, I'm just going to say this now. Um, if this kind of stuff is boring you, come back in episode three when things happen. Hmm. Well, whatever. I'm like, looking forward to that when something matters. Hmm. So <laughs> then Buffy has this weird me. dream. Where she's like, you're the ugliest person ever. You're pathetic. To Willow. Ah! Yeah, and she's just like, 
it's all weird colors and weird shapes and and she yells at willow and willow runs away in the dream and she yells at xander and xander runs away in the dream oh no sorry xander like explodes in the dream yeah buffy is the uh, the equivalent of black canary and so when Buffy gets to school the next morning, she's super weird about the whole and she's thing. she's guilty and she's trying too hard to be everyone's friend. And instead of just saying, guys, this weird thing happened after you guys left the graveyard last night, blah, blah, blah. Here's about Hester and her weird friends. She just like overcompensates and super irritating. And but Willow's I... like, why don't you just tell me what's going on? And Buffy's like, is it is it bad that I just want to be nice to my friends? And then they're like, let's talk about our feelings. And Giles goes, I'm out. And then Xander goes, I'm out too. But Giles is much more British about it. He is. Willow then decides that because Buffy won't tell her what's really wrong, that they aren't actually as close as she thought they were. And so Willow gets all upset. Hoity-toity, if you will. Yes. Which, if anybody remembers high school, this is high school. So as annoying as it is to read, it is actually what high school is like. I don't deny that. And I don't deny that the characters are fairly on point for where they should be but it feels so regressive because at this point there have been seasons and years like at least 10 consecutive years of new continuity yes there's more in there and some of that doesn't count but either way the story's been moving forward and it just why are we going back who knows and why does that whiteboard just say kill slayer because that's hester's new plan except it was her old plan hester's bad so hester in the early days of the internet, has ordered a book of, I don't even know what, a Demons. book to summon a monster to kill the Slayer on eBay. Fun fact. And eBay started in 95, so this could still work. And she said, internet shopping, it's going to be big. Look how progressive she was. Um, Her friends are odd and very submissive. They just are but- basically like, yes, we'll always help you. We'll do whatever you want, Hester, I'm going to call her Heather, more normal name. So they are just like, like you know, we'll do whatever you want. But they're like pleading with her almost in a weird supplicant position. It's it's an odd look. So Hester goes, finds Buffy, and summons a demon. Meanwhile, her friends have totally redone their whole look. Um, it's terrible. It's terrible. So they're all wearing really terrible clothes. They're wearing really terrible makeup. Have you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where Homer's trying to be an inventor and he makes a makeup shotgun? It looks kind of like that. Yeah, it's terrifying and it's not great. And so Buffy, with the obvious reaction, laughs at them when she sees them because it it just looks ridiculous. And then Hester reveals her evil plan that she's going to summon a demon to kill a slayer. Buffy berates Hester for being a bully herself to her own friends. But then all of Hester's friends are literally sacrificed to raise this demon. And this demon's like, you're a bitch, and punches Hester to death. Yes. Which is fun. Good times. Yes. And Hester's like, what do you mean I can't control you? And he was like, I needed four vampires sacrificed to control me. (laughs) And he just looks like a giant minotaur. And this is a problem. Um, and we'll get into this a little bit when we get into especially the early days of season eight of Buffy. But part of the problem with some of the comics is sometimes they go beyond what the show could be. And it doesn't feel natural. There's a well-established universe in that show. And when you go too big, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And this is one of those cases. Especially in these early days of Buffy when they had like 
a TV budget in mid to late 90s CG. Whenever they tried to go big, it looked terrible. It looked bad then, it looks worse now. So the idea of having this 25-foot-tall demon mixing it up with Buffy feels insanely out of place. But back to the storyline. So this demon appears and it kills Hester, so life is good. But then it decides that killing a slayer would be a worthy opponent. And Buffy tries to attack him with her stake. Somehow she doesn't have any other weapons and it doesn't work because he's giant. So Giles rolls up, throws her a sword. She cuts his throat. (laughs) And they decide they're all friends again and that's the end. Yes, and they have a snack now, so like Hester's... <laughs> they had the better snacks. friend, yes, they have better snacks now. What's the point? And what is the point of the all this? the last part of this is that they actually physically have to dig a grave for him because this giant monster did not disappear like a vampire. So we end on a slower note, but anyway. What's the point? It's just like, we didn't know if we were going to be friends, but then we were. The end. Basically. But all in all, it's the voices are right. It's it's not a super important story, but it's also not a super jarringly terrible story. So Most of what we're going to cover here is stuff that if you're dealing with the canon of the series, it's going to count. And the only reason this counts is there's a certain point, well, Dark Horse's case, so we'll be dealing with a few different companies. Essentially around 2007, everything that Dark Horse puts out counts. Anything beyond then, because it at least has um, a mild level of oversight or an extreme level of oversight, depending on where we are in time, from a series creator, Joss Whedon. So unfortunately, this falls under that umbrella. But realistically, this is stuff that's never going to be referenced again or mentioned, and it doesn't add anything, so might as well skip it. Yeah, it's kind of like um, if you ever read like the Boxcar Children back when you were a kid, if you skipped one of them, it didn't ever really affect anything else in the world. So the same thing works here. This one isn't, it's not great. It doesn't add anything, but it's not terrible. So let's move on to Glutton for Punishment. Oh, God, what an appropriate we title. start out what? with looking God. at the cover. And Buffy has a matching tiger print backpack thing and weird leopard print shrug. <sighs> Spoiler alert, there will be a leopard in this graphic novel. I called him a demon tiger. Oh yeah, that's right. Whatever. Giant cat. There will be a giant cat. This one's going to be a lot faster because nothing happens in this, so you know. So we start off with the little Slayer story intro thing. And then Buffy goes to school and Principal Flutie is there, alive and not eaten by hyena people yet. And he's like, hey, get some extracurricular activities, because if you do, it'll increase your worst grade. And Buffy, your grades are no good. The confusing part to me is that all of the classes they mention, I thought they were just classes. I didn't realize they were an extracurricular type option, but good for them. So Yeah, it's like the arts. Yeah, so Willow (laughs) decides to take an art class to challenge herself. But Buffy and Xander, shockingly, don't want to challenge themselves and decide to do home ec because they think that a cooking class is going to be the easy option. And then we go to the home ec room and we find that a demon tiger attacks the home ec teacher. Yes. And so she disappears. Oh boy, this is going to be a fast one. Yes, <laughs> right <be> real fast. <laughs> so How many pages do we waste on just cooking? In walks Half. the new home ec teacher. His Obviously His name is evil. Mr. Blake. 
He is definitely 100% evil. They don't... Definitely evil. They don't bury the lead on this. They're like, yep, this is the villain. Here he is in his villainous ways. But he's so evil, he's going to be strict on cooking. Yes. So his first thing that he says is, I am Mr. Blake. The food you prepare in here is meant to please me. Just so we know that he's really terrible. Uh, Buffy's complaining about it. And Giles is like... Shut up. Do, do the work. Basically, do your work. And then they're like, well... And then Xander. Should we... No, no. This takes a special place. So this, again, it's a little bit unclear where this would fall, whether it be like late 96, early 97. But either way, Xander references Hell's Kitchen. Oh, yes. That show premieres in 2004 in Britain. So let's assume in 2005 in America. Xander can see the future. Dark Horse, hire me. Good for Xander. So anyway... Xander's cracking jokes about where the new, where the old home act teacher might be. And they're like, ha ha ha, and now she's on the menu instead. And they all laugh, and then Giles is like, I'll go check on her. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, damn it, she's probably dead like every other teacher in the school is. And then we turn the page and see that the home act teacher has been, in fact, enlisted to feed the giant evil tiger. Some sort of mashed potatoes? Unclear. Is it poutine? It doesn't matter. She's she's been listed way, to feed him. Basically, she, the tiger just, we'll get into his reasoning, but she's cooking for him. Mm-hmm. And then he, we go through a lot of crap, and there is a lot of wasted pages in this, of just this teacher yelling and cooking montages, and it's a huge waste of time. And Buffy's cooking is no good, so Willow offers to help, and Xander decides he's just going to go buy something from a bakery. Oh, wait, you forgot that the best student in the class, after the first cooking assignment gets asked to stay after class to talk to the teacher about some extra work. Keep that in mind. Yeah, and that extracurricular activity, there's extra work in the extra. Right. So um, Xander's like, I'm not actually doing any work for this next thing. We're supposed to bring a dessert to class, and I'm not doing it. Which is accurate to his character. When they had the egg babies that they were supposed to care for and pretend that they were children, Xander just hard-boiled his demon baby egg. So this is in character for what he's done. Perfect. Oh, I forgot to mention, this book is written by, same artist, but it's different, written by a different writer named Kel McDonald. So, then Willow and Buffy decide they're going to make cookies. Listener, I don't know if you've ever made cookies, but I've made a lot of cookies in my life, and cookies are difficult to screw up. Like, really difficult. There's a recipe, you're not just making it up, and they have a recipe that they're reading out of a real-life book, and... And somehow we end up spending like five pages dedicated to them failing at cookies. Failing at cookies. Five pages. Cookies are not that hard. And I just, I just don't even understand. But anyway, finally they make cookies that are edible. And we get a quick PSA about how to make chlorine gas and that Buffy shouldn't mix bleach and ammonia because Willow has to break it down for us. And it's weird and awkward and that won't come back in any way, shape or form. It might. So then Giles shows Subtlety. up. Subtlety. Giles shows up at Buffy's house and he's like, we got to go deal with this. So they're wandering around trying to find the old home act teacher. And also they've now realized that the Maria, the star student from the last. Oh, no, we haven't realized that. But we will very quickly realize that she has not shown back up at school either. Dun, dun, dun. And Buffy goes to a bakery where there's a giant demon tiger. Who wants a pastry? Yeah, who's trying to kidnap the baker. And Buffy tries to attack him with an offset spatula, which doesn't work. 
because he's a giant demon tiger and it's an offset spatula. And that seems to be a sign to her that... His hide is impenetrable. Things are very bad. I'm like, he's a giant demon tiger and that's a really not sharp serving utensil. So you're fine. Impenetrable. So they get back to school and they're trying to figure out what to do. Giles discovers that this specific demon wants human dishes prepared for him. So that tiger was in a bakery literally to get a pastry. Meanwhile, we're back in home ec class. And Mr. Blake, who's definitely the demon tiger, uh, is oh. trying everybody's trying everybody's dessert. And he tries Buffy's cookies and he doesn't like them. But she was up all night. But she was up all night making them. So poor Buffy. And then he decides to try Xander's lemon tarts, they look like. And he's like, these are amazing. You've outdone yourself, my boy. And so. Because people talk like that, too. Mm-hmm, definitely. So he then tells Xander to stay. We have much to talk about. And basically. Well, well he just ends the classes like everyone get out. Yeah. The rest of you may leave. Like, but, but Xander, I told you to stay. We have much to talk about. But what I think is funny about this, and they don't go into it, is this is similar to another episode where Xander goes for and meets a teacher who tries to seduce him and then ends up to being like a giant praying mantis. And demons are always yeah. trying to sleep with Xander and kill him. That's right. And I was really waiting for this guy to be, like, just caressing his face gently. Like, come back to my place, boy. I'm really glad that didn't happen. <laughs> I wish so... it did. It would make the story infinitely better. We figure out the point of the giant demon tiger, and then we put two and two together and realize that the giant demon tiger definitely has Maria, Xander, and the home ec teacher, and hopefully not the baker as well. So, Buffy... This guy just turns into a giant tiger while throttling Xander while gently caressing his face. Definitely not that last part. Um, They're still in school, and Buffy finds them in the home ec room. And punches him in the schnoz. Yep, but it doesn't really do anything, and they're fighting, fighting, fighting. And then he just takes Xander, runs down the hall, and captures him, which is really weird, because like, no one reacts. They're like, try yeah. a demon tiger in the school. The students just kind of watch him go. They're like, whatever, what's, what's next? Like, no reaction. Yes. They figure out that he's living at Fry the Tiger Cafe, because he likes jungle-like atmosphere with a kitchen. So, anyway. <sighs> and even Giles is like, what, this is, is, crass. <laughs> what is he doing? Unbelievably crass is actually what he says. Good for Giles. So, Giles and Willow and Buffy find giant demon tiger plus people at this kitchen. And they steal the playbook from Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, to try and feed this giant demon something... That isn't really food. Well, it, it's well, ammonia. Uh, uh, There's an ammonia, a bottle of ammonia and a bottle of bleach that she has painted to look like eclairs. I don't know if you've ever eaten an eclair. It doesn't look like a bottle. No, like, how are we going to get them to eat this? Like, I don't know. The pre-fight donut. No, that was, so, that was a movie. So Xander puts, he, he sifts some powdered sugar on top of them. And that mm. should somehow fool the tiger. Disturbingly, it does. Tiger eats them. But it also doesn't do anything. He just Crunches eats it. He's like, wow, this is this is chlorine now. And, and Buffy stabs him in the eye, and that's the end. Starts hacking, Buffy stabs him in the eye, and then he's dead. We don't deal with his body. Nope. <laughs> um, and so she is feeling pretty awesome about her life, and they are in the end scene at Willow's art gallery opening, or the art show that Willow's displayed her art at. And, and Willow's not a good artist, and they that's can't figure the out end. what it is. And they think it's either a dog or a pumpkin. This one 
it's just not as good. The it's, voices it's act- are not in there. This is actively bad. It doesn't sound like the characters. The story doesn't <sighs> is not entertaining enough to carry us through. But here's a positive. And I'm sorry we had to start on this note. I wish we could have gone better, but just with the structure of the show. This is the worst of it. Thankfully, everything after this is better. Yeah. I wish we literally didn't have to start off on the worst foot. And some of these early ones, not our fault, not going to be the best material. Yeah, and it's it's not even that bad of a concept to go back and to fill in some of those gaps, because it is pretty episodic in the first season. But... What's the point of these? But you kind of, if you're going to do that, you want to have some... Add something. Yeah, something that's kind of fun, clever, nod to something else, or, I don't know, something that makes it feel kind of nostalgic. Like, even the first one had their voices right, and it was it was kind of fun to see back into when they were still babies in high school. But there's nothing more exciting than pages on pages of Buffy baking. Yeah. The hidden years. The things you never knew. It's a bunch of crap. You don't need to read these. They're certainly not mandatory by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, so we'll get better. But (laughs) I promise it. (laughs) It gets better. So really, we're going to run the gamut here. This is pretty worthless, but we're also going to get into some of the best that comics has to offer with some of these stories. It gets really good. So bear with us. We're going to go through this chronologically. Up next week, we'll be going over to Angel. And to find out whose soul he really has. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, We'll be back next week. Until then, I don't know. Until then, be glad that you're not still in high school, unless you are. (laughs) And then, in that case, it gets better. In that case, college is way more fun. See you later. Bye.